Welcome to At the Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We are your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford and Shelley Pitts. And we are both clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately a thousand churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with clergy faith and wellness with the Great Plains Conference. And Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator, and we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. Our focus here in At the Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well, we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold. In our conversations, we are seeking to describe some of the dynamics that we're seeing and identify some questions and possibilities that are bubbling up for us. Ultimately, we hope you leave today with your heart encouraged in some way. Each time we gather, it's our hope that you'll glean one or two things to think about, act upon, or pray through. Hi, I'm Ashley Alley Crawford, and co-leading our conversation today is the Reverend Dr. Shelley Petz. Shelley and I are both clergy here in the Great Plains Conference, and we've been hosting a series of conversations on behalf of the Office of Clergy Excellence as we lean into the disruptions and the gifts of the coronavirus season. In each of our conversations, we describe some of what we're seeing. We identify some questions and some possibilities that are bubbling up. And we hope to encourage the heart of everyone who's listening today. This has been a hard year, hasn't it? Between the typical challenges of pastoral leadership, the last few years have brought a great deal of conflict and pressure in the lives of clergy. We don't wanna gloss over or minimize the challenges, and yet our theology compels us forward. Psalm 126 verse five is our banner. Those who sow in tears will reap in shouts of joy. The opportunity for tears has been plentiful. Is it possible that a harvest of joy is on the horizon? Well, for this summer, our At the Threshold time will be proclaiming great joy. Instead of providing interviews with people who can navigate, help us navigate this liminal season, we are, are collecting stories of joy that clergy are experiencing. I've been thinking a lot about seeds lately. First, it's been my word of the year. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but identify kind of a word to help frame and support the year for for you. Well, for some reason, every time I prayed about what my word should be, the word seeds came up to be. So um, it's been something I've kind of been pondering as the year has gone on. It's also, however, that time of year when I'm watering our vegetable garden that we planted several months ago and wondering which of the things are gonna grow. 
I also planted wildflower seeds um, at this this year for the third year, and I'm growing a little cutting garden for wildflower bouquets. I've just cut my very first bouquet, if you can call it that. But in the midst of contemplating seeds this year, I've begun to notice all the times that we read agricultural metaphors in scripture. Earlier this year, I just couldn't get away from John 12, verse 24. It's Jesus saying, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is a weighty and incredibly true word. Self-sacrificing love does bear an abundant harvest. And part of that harvest we do find in Psalm 126 that I mentioned. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, they shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Well, we each have a different set of things to weep about, don't we? But I do suppose we probably share some common sufferings. Reading this word gives me pause. How do the seeds of suffering reap a harvest of joy? Well, to be honest, I turn to another agricultural reference to take a look. John 15 verses 1 through 11. John 15 is part of what we call the farewell discourse. It's Jesus's master thesis, so to speak, of teaching that he's giving his disciples prior to his crucifixion in the Gospel of John. And in it, he's drawing an important connection using the metaphor of vine dressing. It starts like this. I am the true vine and mother is the vine grower. He removes every branch within me that bears no fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it bear even more fruit. He then goes on to say, abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, is, it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Pruning that which isn't faithful, abiding, staying connected, being present to something or someone. This is all what it means to abide. And fruitfulness is both cutting things off and finding deep connection. Well, Jesus uh, wraps this instruction by saying, I've said these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. While he's talking a lot about abiding, he's also casting a vision for why abiding is so important. Friends, it's to know joy. All of that abiding is so that we might know the same joy of Christ, that suffering and death is actually the key to unlock joy. Abiding in Christ take, is taking on the characteristics of Jesus. And the Gospels remind us that the way of Jesus uh, is a yoke that is easy and light. I think of the seeds that I, that I started several months ago in a greenhouse. I wanted those seeds to sprout, and I took great care as a novice gardener to transplant them from small sprouts to a garden bed that I had prepared for them. There's definitely a, a gentleness to this work. I paid attention to the weather forecast to find the time when the ground would be warm and there might be rain on the forecast. 
I didn't want a stark or abrupt shift for them. Gentleness was key to being able to start these little seedlings with the hope of being able to bear fruit. And yet there's a firmness. It makes me think of uh, the work that I'm doing now to cultivate growth. Even as John references the vine dresser pruning the vine so that it would be more fruitful. That's what I've done with some of the flowers seeds that I've planted. I've thinned the bed so that the seeds will grow strong and, and that they will sprout. I'm continually pulling vine, pulling the weeds and identifying what belongs and what doesn't. It's hard to tell sometimes um, what's a weed and what's a wildflower. But when I look closely, when I, when I get down low, I can yank out all that's going to choke out the growth of the seeds that I've intentionally planted. I'm trying to lean into gentleness and firmness. I'm trusting that joy is going to be the result. I imagine that there are occasions for weeping for each of us, but I pray that we also remember that as we abide in Christ, as we allow God to do some pruning within us, as we sow seeds of tears, we will indeed reap a harvest of joy that will be made complete in Jesus. Joy is God finding me when I am lost discombobulated, scared, or grief-laden. Joy is others coming alongside me in the pit of despair. Joy is not just putting on a happy face. I think joy is facing death, destruction, sorrow, pain, the unknown, and knowing it is not the final word. I wonder if I understand joy more fully when I have known things other than joy. Even in just preparing for this conversation, things just didn't seem to be going right or well at all. Maybe you've had times like that yourselves. In preparing for this conversation, my microphone broke. I had times of difficult internet connection. We had conflicts of scheduling, technology struggles. Ashley and I had all kinds of things come up that were not expected. And I wasn't always feeling filled with joy. And yet, and yet, I knew we were not alone and that there were stories of joy that needed to be told. In hearing the stories of joy, may that joy be multiplied. May God be made known. May the joy of the Lord be your strength, no matter, or maybe especially with everything else going on around you. We are going to take a quick little break and hear about some opportunities for growth. Stay tuned and we will be back shortly. Good news. Christ is still very much alive and well working in the world today. I'm Todd Seifert and I invite you to check out my podcast in layman's terms. Once a month, this podcast tells stories of people serving the risen Christ in the world today. Other weeks of the month, I share a reflection on a passage from the Bible aimed at people who with no background in Scripture, who find the Bible difficult to understand, or who just feel like they need a refresher on parts of our sacred texts. And it's all done in plain English, in layman's terms. So find my podcast on the Great Plains Conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Reverend Ever Vina Budambuki was born and raised in Mutara, Zimbabwe, home of Africa University, 
and is the mother of Kingsley, who is a senior at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas. While she has served in ministry in the United States for more than 20 years previously, she served in various capacities in the Zimbabwe Annual Conference, including as the Zimbabwe Annual Conference Youth and Evangelism Director and the Senior Pastor at Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mutare, the first United Methodist Church in Zimbabwe. Ever moved to the Great Plains three years ago and will begin a new ministerial journey July 1st at Nebraska City First United Methodist Church in the Missouri River District. Her academic background includes both an MDiv and a master's in marriage and family therapy. Ever, we got to welcome you as a member of the Great Plains Annual Conference this year. Welcome to membership in this conference, and we are so excited to have you join us to proclaim great joy. We welcome you this day. Thank you very much. It is uh, a great pleasure to be here this uh, afternoon to share my testimony of joy. I'm a miracle child uh, from two years. Uh, God saved me when I was sick and nearly died. And uh, I always cherish that because uh, my parents and grandparents uh, predicted my death, but God served me. But the greatest joy that I have is uh, what God has done through his grace through the uh, pandemic uh, that we have been in. Last year, I got so sick with the COVID-19 in November, and it was a very deadly situation, a near-death situation. And uh, I, uh, I had uh, covenanted with God so many times that I want to serve, and I have a strong passion to serve God in ministry. I do therapy time. I regard ministry as my main menu and uh, uh, therapy is uh, a dessert. <laughs> That's how I, I term it. But at the same time, I want to thank God that when I got sick, I called upon the name of Jesus uh, because I still have a lot of work to do here in the United States of America, especially in the Great Plains Conference. Uh, so I thank God because um, uh, he healed me from the pandemic, uh, which was going to destroy my life uh, as, I, as I was serving here at the United Church of Bennington and Solomon. I saw the hand of God. It was like Jesus was the strong chaser. He came and rescued me from the uh, pandemic. We ravaged around the entire world and also in my own nation of Zimbabwe. But at the same time, I give glory to God because he healed me. One thing I've learned through the pandemic is that uh, he has the remnant. He's on that he spared, and I'm one of those who has been spared from this pandemic. My greatest joy is that God spared me for a purpose so that I can continue to serve him uh, in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church uh, and at the same time going uh, to Nebraska City uh, to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look back, reflect, and see the hand of God upon my life. God has been so faithful. Even in ministry, I just uh, thank God that uh, during the pandemic, 
God has done mira miracles, miraculous things that he has done. And there's a song that we sing, great things he has done, great things that he will do. And we give him glory and honor because he is God. He understands our situation. He rescued me from the merry clay. He rescued me from a near-death situation. And at the same time, uh, I thank God for all the prayers. Prayers are so powerful. Many people were praying for me. Uh, the district superintendent, the Reverend uh, D. Williamstone, whom I served with, who is going to be the assistant to the bishop, and my clergy pastors who prayed for me. But at the same time now, my joy is going to turn into good work, serving God, and I am ready to serve God, testifying to those who are heartbroken, to those who are going through sickness, to those who are hopeless and powerless. I'm here as an instrument, as a God's vessel, to share the news that we have Jehovah Rapha, the God, the God who understands our situation. I can also testify in the midst of the pandemic that the two churches that I was serving, I saw God at work. Why? Because a lot of people gave money more than I have been here. We have a lot, we have quite a, a, a sum of um, uh, people were just generously giving to the ministries. And at the same time, people came out, even on the Zoom. And at the same time, when we started coming together, people came any resentfulness that's showing up glorifying God. And as I look at what God is doing in the ministries that uh, in the ministerial settings that I've been in and as uh, anticipating a great ministry ahead, I see God who guides. I'm here because God loves me. I'm here because God has done marvelous things in my life. So what I always tell God is that I'm always available to do whatever he wants me to do. Where he leads me, I will follow. And I'll be, I'll be with, and he teaches me that he'll be with me. He will be with me all the way. It's not about me. It's all about God. So I look at the world map, even as I'm sitting here, and I look at my country, which is Southern Africa, Zimbabwe, and I look up North America and I see God that he has assigned me in this nation as a missionary to preach the good news to those people I have met. And God always does it his own way. He says, table, a table is before me, even in the presence of resistance, in the presence of uh, rejection, in the presence of challenges. God is there. So I just want to share my joy. I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit, what he does. He is so sweet, and at the same time, he is my helper. I love this God who is everlasting, who is all-knowing. I love this God who upholds his church, even in the midst of all the challenges that beats around the church. God is there. He is my rock. He is my refuge. So whatever comes my way, I know where to go. I know where to lean. I lean on the everlasting God because he is my God.
Therefore, I pray for the and I pray for you, for you all, as we team up to preach the good news. This is our season. This is our time. There is no other time to preach the word than this divine time God has given us. And well, it is still today. I say, God will do it. This is my joy. God has healed me for, for me to continue to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm delighted. I am full of this joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength all the time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Ever, for sharing your testimony of joy. And now we're excited to welcome Reverend Amy Lippolt to join us to hear her story. Amy's the senior pastor of St. Paul's UMC in Papillion, Nebraska, the happy wife to Matt who writes science stuff, the very lucky owner of a pup, Mabel, who excels in stick chewing and is happiest when drinking coffee or riding a bicycle, but not at the same time. Amy, we're so glad uh, that you're here to join us to share your witness of joy with us. Thanks, Ashley, so much. I want to just tell a story today about an experience that I had this last winter that has uh, been a continual reminder to me of the weird and wonderful and surprising way that the Holy Spirit works in the world and can work in our lives, too. So last November, November of 2020, I started to feel poorly. I uh, had a cluster, a kind of weird cluster of symptoms that just kept getting worse and worse, and I went to the doctor a few times and was not getting any better until finally in the middle of December, I decided I was sick enough, I needed to go to the ER. So I showed up at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and ended up being admitted to the hospital and I stayed there for 10 days while I went through a whole huge series of tests trying to figure out what was going on and what needed to be done to make me feel better. Uh, I ended up being diagnosed with a kind of vasculitis, an autoimmune disease that's called granulomatosis with polyangitis. And uh, it, it took a whole team of specialists to figure this out. And so I would have all kinds of doctors come into my hospital room throughout the day uh, talking to me, residents and fellows and attendings. And I probably had 10 or 12 different doctors on some days from different specialties coming to talk to me. And that, I also had a little bit of brain fog because I wasn't feeling good at all. And so I, it was hard to keep track of it all. And at some point in the middle of all that, I made a little word flip in my head that then I couldn't stop, I couldn't correct. I kept calling my pulmonologist, I had pneumonia, that was one of the problems that I had, I had lungs full of pneumonia, and so I had a pulmonologist that was part of my care. And at some point I stopped calling them my pulmonologist and I started calling them my pneumatologist. Now, those of you who've been to seminary know that pneumatology is a word that means the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma is the word for spirit in Greek and it's spelled with a P-N at the beginning. So it kind of looks like pulmonology, but uh, I just kept calling the pulmonologist the pneumatologist and it kept going even after I got diagnosed and started treatment and I went home and I was recovering. I kept saying to my husband things like, oh, remember, I have that pneumatology appointment next week. And he was so sweet to me. Only about half the time he would say, you mean pulmonology? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. That's right. I'm going to my pulmonologist. Okay. So end of January, I went to a pulmonology appointment 
and I saw a, a woman who was a fellow. She's still in training, not yet an attending, not uh, had passed her residency, but anyway, she was still in training. And she'd seen me in the hospital and she gave me the great news at the end of January that my lungs were clear of pneumonia and, and uh, I was doing great. I had recovered a lot, though I still had a long way to go. So we were celebrating that together. And in the middle of the appointment, she said to me, now remind me where you are a pastor again. I think it said in my chart, you know, what my occupation was. And so I told her St. Paul's in Papillion. And she said, oh, okay. And then at the end of the appointment, after we'd finished all the medical talk and she, uh, we talked about when I was gonna see her again, she said, can I ask you a personal question? And I thought to myself, isn't every question that a doctor asks you a personal question? Like what's a not personal question that a doctor asks you? Okay, I, I didn't say that. I just said, sure. So she said, how did you know that you wanted to be a pastor? Now, if you're a pastor, you know this is not an unusual question to get at all. We get asked that question all the time, but it is not a question I expected to get asked in the middle of a doctor's appointment. So I said, well, you know, I, it was kind of a slow process for me. I didn't have this giant moment where I said, okay, God, I'm going to be a pastor in the United Methodist Church, and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Instead, I had lots of really small decisions that I made along the way, small step after step, where uh, one thing led to another, and the Holy Spirit kept inviting me, and eventually I wound up in seminary, and then at a local church, and it has been the most beautiful and wonderful thing to live this life of a local church pastor serving God and serving people in this way, better than I ever knew it was going to turn out. And she said, okay. And then she told me about how she goes to this little church and the pastor of that church is about to was about to retire. And he had said to her, Amber, I think you could be pastor of this church if you wanted to. And she said, I think he was kidding, but I'm not sure he was kidding. And I can't stop thinking about it. And I said, well, isn't that interesting? And I started to talk to her about what it means to be called by God and how we discern that. How the Holy Spirit gives us an inward sense of call that we feel led towards something, we feel drawn towards something. But then also the Holy Spirit works with this outward sense of call where somebody sees our gifts and invites us, affirms those gifts and invites us into opportunities. And that we need both of those senses of call in order to, to move forward in faith. And it sounded to me like maybe she had a little bit of both of those. And so probably a good thing to do would be to sort of test it out, test out that call, like dip her toe into the water and see what happened. Uh, try on some kind of leadership responsibility and, and see if it bore fruit and see if it was life-giving for her. And then do a little bit more and do a little bit more and be discerning all the way along the way. Is this something that feels like the work of the Holy Spirit? talk to others about it. I also said, don't give up on pulmonology because she'd invested a whole lot of time and money in her medical career. But I said, you know, maybe God is calling you to do something in ministry along with uh, this work of medical science that you're doing. And she seemed comforted by that. She seemed uh, seemed to be an answer that, that gave her um, some helpful, you know, some helpfulness and gave her some things to chew on. And she thanked me for that. And, and uh, then the point was over and I left. And on the way home, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, 
I just acted like the pneumatologist for my pulmonologist. <laughs> I was the expert in the Holy Spirit in the study of the Holy Spirit, helping my pulmonologist figure out how God might be working in her life. And uh, it just continues to crack me up how this weird little brain uh, thing that I did in the middle of my illness that turned out into this beautiful moment with one of my doctors where she was bold enough to ask me a question uh, to give her some guidance and some help and hopefully I was able to uh, speak a word of faith to her and, and help her uh, on her own track of discernment. So it's a story that brings me great joy and I hope that it brings you joy. As Thank well. you so much, Amy, for your testimony of joy. Our next guest is Kathy Sines. Kathy is the pastor of Wellsville and Clearfield United Methodist Churches in the Five Rivers District in Kansas and is an associate member of the Great Plains Conference. She has served in ministry here for 20 years and is currently one of the deans of licensing school and her district's registrar for the District Committee on Ordained Ministry. She and her husband, Kevin, have been married for 38 years. They enjoy spending time with their three sons and two grandchildren. She tells us that she is at her most comfortable when she is outdoors, spending time with her dogs, fishing, canoeing, or hiking. During the coronavirus season, she also started bird watching and has a new hobby during the season. Kathy, we are so glad you are here with us and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Shelley. I want to begin with uh, uh, the title and first line of a poem from um, that was written by Robert Dunn, in, or John Dunn, excuse me, in, in 1624, uh, called No Man is an Island. I first heard that line when I was in first grade, 60 some years ago, and it made such an impact on me because I had seen it on a bulletin board in the eighth grade classroom and I was just learning to read and I saw it and I thought, no man is an island. And sister Helen Marie must have seen the look on my face and she said, she asked me about it and if I wanted to know what it meant. And so when I said, no man is an island, first she had to explain what an island, that it was actually an island. And, and then she explained that God created us to be in community, that God made us so that we would connect with one another, that we would love one another, and that we would support one another. Now, obviously, she used language for a first grader, but it made such an impact on me that it has stayed with me my entire life. And I just, I, I fall back on that so often in my ministry that no man is an island. So that is what came to me uh, this past year when the pandemic hit and we had this, this virus hanging over our head. Um, we didn't want to become ill and that meant staying away from each other. And it, that was not natural for us. In our greatest time of need, when we wanted to be in connection, we could not be in connection with each other. It just wasn't safe. So my church here at Wellsville, we immediately started looking into ways that we could connect with others online. And so they, they ramped up, they upgraded their, their systems so that our on-camera presence on Sunday mornings, we had a worship service that 
that made it seem as though they were actually in the sanctuary. And I, I'm so proud of them for doing that. And then we had Zoom meetings, of course, and we had Zoom Bible studies, but I still felt disconnected. And so I, I, I prayed and tried to figure out how we could uh, connect more fully, even in the time of a pandemic. And it, it came through me to me, and, and I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit um, working, that uh, we should have a weekday devotion. And so I spread the word that we are going to meet on Facebook Live at 9.30, Monday through Friday. Facebook Live because they did not have to make um, reservations. They did not have to be invited. They could just show up. So we meet at 9.30, and um, while they are logging on, I am greeting them and saying hello and asking how they're doing. Um, they're chatting with me and letting me know any news. I'm telling silly stories about the trouble that myself and my dog, Bo, who is my church dog, um, what we have gotten into. And then um, then we go to the selected scripture, and we are, we are all using the same devotional. And I, I read the scripture and then I read the devotional. Now I've already done it at home, but I do it again a second time. And that second time give, gives me such greater insight. Um, and then they might chat, you know, and, and, and add to it. And then we go into the joys and concerns that we have been sharing. And that's in the chat function as well. And one thing that happened early on is that people started um, asking for prayers for family members and friends who were in the healthcare community. Because if you remember back how stressed they were, um, our list grew to a list of 40 people in the healthcare community. And it ended up being such a, a large list that rather than read all 40 of them and praying for all 40 of them every day, we divided them up into five groups of or into groups of five um, each day. And we, we would pray for them. And I would have nurses calling me and saying, could, could you add me to your list? I could use prayers. So our list kept growing. Uh, we continue to pray for them every day and we pray for them on Sunday as well. It has become such a ministry. We finished our intercessory prayers with uh, the Lord's Prayer, acknowledging that God, even though we're at different screens, that God hears our prayer um, coming up. And then uh, we finish with a chat and uh, just uh, ask each other what, you know, what we're doing for the day. And then um, I finish every day with the same thing. Uh, until I see you again, know that you are loved. It has been the greatest joy. It has what has helped me through this pandemic. Um, it has been the connection that I needed. And I can tell you that I don't think that I've ever been so close to a group in any congregation. When we neared the end where we were able to go to in person, they were asking, are we going to stop? And I asked if they wanted to stop and they said, no, no, we don't want to. And so we are going to continue as long as there is interest. Um, it's fantastic because I know there are many people who, who don't before this have never regularly read the Bible and, and now they're reading it every day, who have never regularly done a devotion if ever, and now they do a daily devotion. 
um, who had never seen um, a use maybe for this intentional and um, prayer. And so now we do incessory prayer every day. It has become such a tight-knit group that they are joining when they're on vacation. They are listening while they're in the car if they have an appointment. I had one woman who was actually um, having, uh, was in the hospital and the only day she didn't make it was the day of her surgery. We all look forward to joining together and, and having this deep connection with each other. Um, I don't know how long the group will continue, but I just keep hearing Sister Helen Marie saying, no man is an island. And the joy that I have received by this connection can just never be replaced. And so I just, I just wanted to share that with you today. Um, it has helped me get through the pandemic. It has strengthened my connection with God. And as I said, with um, members of this congregation and beyond as well. So I, I appreciate you asking me to share today. Kathy, thank you so much for bringing your words of inspiration and joy so that we might be a part of joining sure. together with you and what is happening there. Our deepest appreciation to all of our guests today, to Ever and to Amy and to Kathy, we thank you for helping us glimpse what is possible and seeing the joy of the Lord right around us. This health boost is brought to you by the Abundant Health Initiative of the United Methodist Church. Get up, get ready. It's time for a health boost. Let's unite to boost our holistic well-being. Strengthen your spirit with this one-minute breathing meditation. Let's begin deepening our breath. Big breath in. Slow breath out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. And out. One more cycle. In. And out. Bring your awareness back to the present. Acknowledge this moment of peace you've been a part of and take it with you throughout the rest of your day. Smile and let the joy of healthy living flood through your body. Join us in creating abundant health for everyone. Learn more at umcabundanthealth.org. Welcome back. 
As we close our time today, we give thanks to God for with Ever and with Amy and with Kathy for the ways that God has sustained them and restored them during this season. And we see the winds of creativity and purpose that has really borne rich fruit in this season and in the season ahead. If you've enjoyed this conversation today, we invite you to share with a friend by searching for At The Threshold on Podbean, on Google or Apple Podcasts. And also we share some extra resources and links to the videos so that you can join some discussions about these conversations at our website, greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold. As we wrap up our time together, we want to share a reading from Janet Richardson's book of blessings, Circle of Grace. It's called Blessing the Seed. Receive this as a blessing for you today. I should tell you at the outset, this blessing will require you to do some work. First, you must simply let this blessing fall from your hand as if it were a small thing you could easily let slip through your fingers, as if it were not most precious to you, as if your life did not depend on it. Next, you must trust that this blessing knows where it is going, that it understands the ways of the dark, that it is wise to seasons and to times. Then, and I know this blessing has already asked much of you, it is to be hoped that you will rest and learn that something is at work when all seems still, seems dormant, seems dead. I promise you this blessing has not abandoned you. I promise you this blessing is on its way back to you. I promise you when you are least expecting it, when you have given up your last hope, this blessing will rise green and whole and new. Well, thank you again to our clergy colleagues who have joined us today to share their testimonies of joy. And thank you to everyone who's listened. We hope that you've been able to see our new reality just a little bit clearer, asked a few new questions, and that your heart has been encouraged. We hope that you're finding some light at the threshold. conversation today about navigating ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold or subscribe to our podcast at the threshold on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. As for today, we hope that you've been able to see our new reality a bit clearer, asked a few new questions and been encouraged. And in the days ahead, we hope that you're finding some light at the threshold. <laughs>